Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cheeseburger in Babylon. It's that time of the year again. It's Christmas for conspiracy theorists. You know, the week of 9-11 is a time for national mourning and reflection and all that, but it's also a time when conspiracies abound. You know, this time every year, we must be warned about the dangers of this kind of thinking, and the news spends thousands of words and hours of airtime reminding us that to question the given narrative of 9-11 is for people wearing tinfoil hats. And, uh, you know, all the professional debunkers crack their knuckles and unleash their smug retorts, but despite all their efforts, more than half of the country still believes our government is lying about 9-11, and conspiratorial thinking has become totally mainstream. Where were you on 9-11? I was across the street from George W. Bush when he read to those elementary school students at Emma E. Booker. I remember it. um, I wanted to protest uh, Bush's arrival there. I was a big Jon Stewart Daily Show guy, and I was listening to a lot of Leftover Crack at the time. And so my politics were very much like, yeah, Bush, you know, fuck Bush. My dad said, no, you're going to school. I remember around 9 a.m. that day, the teachers all hurried us into our homerooms, and they wouldn't let us watch the TVs. And it's kind of a weird feeling. It felt like something bad had happened, but they were hiding it from us. And in hindsight, I don't know if that's was the right move or not. I think I would have liked to have been more present for it, but only the students from the, like, the audiovisual class knew what was going on and they slowly started spreading word that um, two planes had crashed into the Twin Towers. Now, I don't even think I knew what the Twin Towers were, but, you know, it was clear our country's under attack. And I wasn't scared. In fact, I was a little contrarian shit back then, so I think I had a sort of, we probably deserved it attitude. Our history teacher, Miss Cox, stopped teaching us entirely and instead lined us up like a chorus and made us sing that god-awful song by Lee Greenwood, God Bless the USA. There was an essay contest too, I remember, with a $50 prize and it was, uh, you have to write what America means to you. And I remember the winning essay started like this. When I look into the eyes of a newborn baby... I see America. I was pretty grossed out by that even even back then. But what I wasn't was I wasn't conspiratorial, like not at all. You know, I still to this day have not seen loose change. And I kind of accepted, I think, the narrative that, you know, Al-Qaeda attacked us and the 9-11 Commission report put it all out there for us. Um, even just like a handful of years ago, I dismissed some 9-11 truther, you know, I said it was like a wacky nonsense. I said that I couldn't believe that our government would do something so evil. I believed that our government was stupid and incompetent, you know, not nefarious. But I think that over the past five years, the world has changed for everybody. You know, if you believe that Russiagate is real, or you fell into that Rachel Maddow trap, I'm sorry, you're a conspiracy theorist. Do you think the election was stolen? Conspiracy. 
Do you believe that our democratically elected leaders serve moneyed interests and not the will of the people? Yeah, you too, buddy. You're a conspiracy theorist. On today's episode of Cheeseburger in Babylon, we have on two guests who are adamantly not conspiracy theorists. They are, in fact, deep historians. Ben and Eric are the hosts of the podcast for A New American Century. If you're looking for theories about thermite and fake airplanes, they will disappoint you. But if you're looking for an insightful history of the events leading up to and resulting from 9-11, look no further. Today we talk about why Florida is such a hotspot for conspiracies and kind of ask ourselves if conspiratorial thinking is a useful tool for understanding the world or if it's just going to leave us empty, hollow shells. Israel! Israel is behind it all! Every Jew got an email that morning. Cheeseburger and... No, I was wondering the whole, you know, sort of breaking a glass with one's vocal, like projection. Is have you seen classmates do that? Or is that only in the uh, cartoons? I, I think that's only in cartoons. I don't think that's oh, ever okay. happened. I don't. Uh, there was actually like, I it may have quite literally been MythBusters, but I think I they tried to. Up, yes. They tried oh, to fun. test if it was possible, and it's it's essentially impossible. I don't think it could actually I'm happen. Sure Though, you can also do notes low enough to make you poof yourself. By that. I was, yeah, I was about also, to mention the brown noise. The brown note, yeah. Did, did Mythbusters ever try and take down the Twin Towers to show that it's a... Uh, did they ever bust that myth? They I mean, must they, have I, at some point or I another. think we they did the take down the Twin Towers, that. actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't a whole moon landing episode. That's back. why one of the guys is dead. The, the CIA got him. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And the other guy, isn't the other guy, um, the ginger one, isn't he like a sex pest? I thought that he had quite a few accusations of um, some fucked ups then. He things. has he has the physiognomy of a sex pest, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Doing like the, uh, he's got that. Um well, this is a. I think let's start the show. Uh, ben, Eric, thanks for being on our show, Cheeseburger thanks in Babylon. Thank yeah, you so thank much you. for having us. Thank you for having us. You know, I just say right off the bat, real quick, right off the bat, when Eric asked me to um to come onto this show, I subscribed to your show just to go through and see some of the uh, the previous guests and topics, and um just to get one thing really quickly out of the way with your <laughs> listeners here. Um, I can't speak for Eric, but I've never had sex with any dolphins. I don't want to disappoint anyone, um, but I just know that that's going to be a hard act to follow if that's the bar. Hopefully, we got some good stuff today, but um, yeah, I've not ever had sex with a dolphin. I don't like to talk about that time in my life, but um, <laughs> I'll just let Ben speak for that. Well, next time you're in Florida, uh, hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm glad that Mal you have Malcolm a guy. Is, Malcolm is down to hang out. Let's put it that way. Hell um, yeah, brother. But yeah, uh, Chris and I really wanted you to ha have you guys on the show uh, because we're about to hit like what I call like the shark week for uh, conspiracy theorists or uh, <laughs> Christmas for conspiracy theorists, which is like 9-11 because this is the time of year where we kind of all have to readdress things. And there's all these efforts to like debunk and like dismiss conspiracies or you know even as as much as like even as i think the cultural climate has changed in the direction towards like more conspiratorial thinking 9-11 is the 
like the gateway drug, I think, or at least for me personally, the gateway drug to conspiracies. Um, do people ever call you guys conspiracy theorists? Um, maybe. I don't know if people really can say. I, we're so uh, ingrained in, I think, a circle of, uh, I guess, 9-11 truth movement people that are still very much like the remnants of the truth movement, if we're being honest. But it's so heavily focused on intelligence failures pre-9-11 and the geopolitics as opposed to stuff like did nanothermite bring down the towers. Right. That we kind of, we do avoid getting stuck with that moniker though i'm sure there's plenty of like libs on twitter who would love to call us a conspiracy theorist my guiding principle in life is to just be normal most of the time <laughs> so <laughs> whenever i'm on a first date and like this has to come up like i'm very quick to just be like it's a show about history and change the subject <laughs> um it's good to be well-rounded and like you can definitely reach people i think with a lot of what we talk about like on pnac um, but I don't, I try not to identify, I don't personally identify as a conspiracy person. I'm not, I don't really spend my time and energy really into anything besides 9-11 when it comes to this kind of research stuff. Um, yeah, it's good to be well-rounded. Yeah. I would say that I used to when I was, uh, you know, much younger, like when I was in my early twenties, you know, yeah, sure I, I, sure. I wanted to know what was going on with Pizzagate, but I don't think that now that I'm a little bit older and like I'm married now, so I just don't really. Spend yeah, I can't most do that. Of my, Were you the I guy spend like telling, that. telling people to watch Loose Change? Like you got to watch this movie. There's definitely a time in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually talked about on the show that I was a big debunker growing up. Actually, I was the complete opposite. Where I used to love ah. those those smarmy dudes from popular uh, popular mechanics. Popular mechanics that would right. go on the History sure. Channel and go through all the conspiracies. And it was always like fun to me to see all of like the arguments being laid out, but then there was always a good answer for that in my mind. And um, it wasn't until much, much later, um, I, I just read something one day online that had to do with the insider trading, which we've done whole episodes on um, the, the shorting of airline stocks that happened just a few days before 9-11. And that was the first thing where there wasn't a, a Snopes ready debunk for it necessarily. Well, there is a Snopes one, but it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's one of those things where once you get like the first real thing, like there's the rabbit hole that you can eventually start falling down, which is what we've spent the better part of a year now, like uh, going over. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I've actually never seen Loose Change. It's, I was never. It's funny. The music is awesome. Um, it has. Yeah, the, that the there's no there. doubt that the production value is incredible. It's really good. <laughs> How See, dare you? <laughs> I, I was dismissive of uh 911 conspiracies i think that where i was willing to uh like sit uh in my mind was that it was incompetency that's why it mm -hmm. happened right it For wasn't sure. nefariousness as if those two things are mutually exclusive right. so now <laughs> it's it, the truth is it's both it's both incompetent and nefarious and you know it i have uh, george bush in the background here because i was there the day that happened i went to uh, Booker Middle School, which is right next door. Oh, no way. Wow. And I remember driving past uh, the school with my father saying, yeah. let's skip school. Let's just go protest. You know, I was in my like <laughs> daily show, John Stewart, like political kind of mindset. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was listening to a lot of leftover crack. That was like uh, <laughs> really the basis of my like worldview and in in politics. Uh, Chris, have you ever been a conspiracy minded person? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I had like my Malcolm X phase in like late high school, you what, know, what about like, it? you know, just like, you know, 
uh, essentially white people are essentially conspiring to keep black people down. I used to believe that to some degree. Yeah, it's that's true. That's crazy. That's it's crazy. true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that's not true. Well, the point is this. I remember I was dating a white girl at the time, and she didn't like that I was getting into Malcolm X. And she's like, it's as if you think white people are trying to control America. And she used the word conspiracy theory. And I go, yeah, but it's true. And I guess the line is like, at one point, um, like, for example, there's a great bit. I can't remember this comedian talked about how, like, we got black beans, we got brown beans, no, white rice, what, different rice, sorry. You got white rice, bl- you know, wild rice. Wild rice is the rice that comes from Africa, right? But why has it got to be wild, right? Because <laughs> the white man, he named it wild rice. Everyone buys white rice and eats white rice. So um, I don't know if I have an answer to your question. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, really. I, I think um, – I don't think it's as bad – you know, I don't know. I don't read about conspiracy theories. I, I guess the the one that I know about is IMG Academy here in Sarasota. Hell yeah. Are you familiar with this place? I'm it's not like very familiar with it myself. It's a school for athletes. And all the best athletes have come out of it. Anna Kornikova, Tiger Woods, the Venus yeah. uh, Serena. But the conspiracy theory is that one of the uh, sort of benefit, one of the people who like donate money to the school, they work for CRISPR. They're on the board oh, of Chris, at CRISPR, <laughs> and there's an I idea. This is go, go on, <laughs> go off. An, so, I remember I was at the mall once, and I met like there was like a bunch of kids from the academy. They sometimes have a bus take them to the mall. I was getting food, and this one kid didn't have any seats. So I was like, you know, sit down. I was like some 17, 18 year old kid, and he was telling me about IMG and all this stuff, and he was telling me his family's on the board and. He was telling me they they're a part of like CRISPR and they're friends with the Sacklers and all this stuff. I'm like, oh wow, mm-hmm. that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was telling me how there's like this rumor on on campus that like when they take medication or when they have specific diets, that the school is sort of experimenting on them and making them better athletes, perhaps even genetically through gene therapy, and. You know, I don't know if it's real, but like this kid's like talking to me about it in a food court next to you know Chick Fil A. Like you know, maybe he's talking, maybe he's talking shit. Very, very like, legit. Yeah, it's but like, how like every Liverpool player has asthma and gets to be on special inhalers um, throughout the Premier League season. I, I will exactly. listen. I will not abide any shit talking of Liverpool on this podcast. Hey, just to be clear, zero in the Derby. I mean, we'll just take to be it. clear, just to be clear. Okay, sorry. Go on. Chris. That's the thing. But that's the thing. It's like, I mean, the best like one. You can't get on campus unless you're an athlete, parent of an athlete. You know, they're only journalists on campus or anything. And so it makes fans like, what's height? What are they hiding over there at IMG Academy? And then the best athletes come out of there, right? They, they all get highly ranked. But, like, why is it that academy? Why is it that specific academy? And, like, it just, I don't know, it's so weird. Like, you know, the Sacklers were involved. At one point, they're on the board. Uh, people from CRISPR were associated with the school. And I think there's like pharmaceutical money, like somehow affecting IMG Academy. Um, You know, people say like a lot of these people are paying money. They're sending their kids from China to go there so they can get like become top 100 ranked tennis players or whatever. But like, are they really buying access to the best tennis coaches? Is that really what they're buying? Are they buying a drug regimen that will enhance their children genetically? And I think, I think, 
there's something that needs to be investigated personally. Um, and with sports, there's always like the cutting edge of being just like ahead of the law, basically, and like doing everything you can to get like that extra physical advantage, like up until it gets banned and then you're just on to the next thing. Like there's always exactly. that. Yeah, yeah. But you that can't push you... to make your body even more and more perfect. I'm, I'm to- personally, I'm totally fine with it. Dope them up, <laughs> you know. Seriously, I, I think that's 100%. Uh, 100%. I, I don't think I've, I have no issue with professional athletes doing that with their bodies. Um, but that's the thing. The next step, they're not doping, they're changing their genetic compositions over there. Is that still doping, though? It is. Where's the? What's the line? You can't. You you can't. Um. You can't drug test someone's genes. You know. I guess. It's their genetic, it's it's genetic material. You know. What do you think, That's... Ben? You're, you got stigmata. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for drug legalization in any context, and if right. you want to have genetic super soldiers going at it on the gridiron. I mean, football's already bad enough for you as it is. They might do something. They might solve CT yeah. in the process. Right. Exactly. That's, that's true. I honestly. mean, you're already you're already, the, the the logical argument against doping is that it's it's bad for you, right? It's bad yeah. for your health. Well, professional ath- athletics is bad for your health. Aaron so, Hernandez right. was murdered or did a murder like two cities over from where I live right now. Um, oh, like I know. Damn, well, that yeah. was CT and PC, but, but. I, I, so, Chris, I'm glad you brought that up because that kind of stuff. Is I think where a lot of us are at right now when it comes to thinking how the world works, right? You see a couple of names, and it's very easy to like connect a line there, right? And so I think conspiracies are becoming more and more popular uh, with the rise of QAnon and you know, steal the stop the steal. It's it's like mainstream Americana now, whereas like 9/11 conspiracies were pretty like underground initially. But now it's pop culture. Um, and, you know, we saw this with uh, the movie JFK as well. Yeah. But I think what I find so frustrating is, like, the limitations of the word conspiracy. The, the English language and the word conspiracy. Conspiracy is so fucking broad. It literally yeah. encompasses just about anything. I, I, Chris and I were just reading the, the legal definition of a conspiracy, which is basically <laughs> just, like, that two or more people plot to do something illegally uh, and gain from it like that's right <laughs> everything yeah yeah and so uh, where do we draw the line when you think of like conspiracies like what is what makes something a conspiracy and what's not a conspiracy it's not well, a conspiracy eric i mean what would you say the conspiracy is that we've spent the better part of a year talking about at this point like would you think that this al-hazmi al-madar thing is the conspiracy I guess you could point to that if it were going to be what the conspiracy is. Like, what could you prove is under the definition of a conspiracy? You could say that, yeah, the the CIA conspired or members within the CIA conspired to withhold information from the FBI. But at the same time, you could also say the NSA conspired to withhold information from the CIA. And then you could also say the White House conspired to, uh, I guess, avoid receiving information from the CIA. So uh, there's a bunch of different angles that you could put. But yeah, if you had to like point at one, I would say that, yes, uh, the, the big conspiracy that you would be able to logically prove is that the CIA conspired to withhold information on about two hijackers in San Diego from January of 2000 until August 23rd of 2001. People, by the way, um, who were known terrorists on all kinds of watch lists, um, but were living in San Diego with their names in the phone book. 
Yeah, so, who, who all got their visas um, despite having uh, terrorist signifiers on their visa application or on their passports, having the worst visa applications known to man. Uh, I, I believe 11 out of 19 hijackers got visas from the same person in Jeddah. Yeah, uh, Shayna Steinger, who we've done an episode on, who, uh, if you go to her LinkedIn, she uh, went to school at the University of Iowa and then immediately started working for the State Department and uh, ended up creating this Visa Express program in the Middle East. And uh, that program allowed, basically, it, it allowed uh, there to be... Um, the fast tracking of visa applications for a bunch of people, 11 of which ended up uh, doing 9-11. Uh, if you think, just, holy shit, that's, that sounds crazy. Why have I never heard of that? Um, the 9-11 commission did actually uh, interview her, or it was at the 9-11 commission, or it was, might have been the DOJ inspector general. Um, she was interviewed, though, afterwards, and she actually, on the record, basically came out and said that she was surprised that she wasn't in more trouble and that no one else was really kind of talking about <laughs> how bad she fucked so up. So let's 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 uh, rewind here a little bit. And yeah, uh, in case our listeners haven't listened to your excellent podcast, the podcast for a, a new American century. Very kind of you. Thank you. Kind of give us like in uh, an elevator pitch of what you guys are doing, because you guys just put out a whole lot of names and info that even I'm not <laughs> like particularly familiar with. So. Like, explain to us, uh, explain to our readers, our listeners. Um, ben, do you want to give your pitch? If I you would have say, one? I would say we, I, I personally brought Eric on to start the show um, as a way of assigning blame for 9-11. Um, it's less of who did 9-11 and it's more of who's responsible for it. Um, we look at it kind of in like more of a criminal way almost where like, what would meet the definition in court of, you know, either being negligent or responsible and sort of why, or kind of spinning those stories out from there. So what we've spent the better part of a year now focusing in on is this specific story, like Eric was mentioning, of um, these two 9-11 hijackers. Um, their names are Nawaf al-Hazmi and Khalid al-Madar. And the story about them is that they basically show up in January of 2000 and start living in Southern California. As Eric mentioned, um, they should never have been given visas in the first place. CIA was following them since even before they arrived in the United States, but somehow mysteriously lost track of them for about a month, even though they knew where they were the whole time somehow. But um, once arriving in the United States, these two guys who ultimately end up flying a plane into the Pentagon um, are met by this guy named Omar Al-Bayoumi, right, Eric? Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, yeah. Who do we think that this guy is? Just to... oh, I mean, to, to bury the lead, he is a... Um... Uh, an, an, an intelligence agent of Saudi Arabia. Um, um, thanks to President Brandon, we now know this almost <laughs> definitively due to some FBI material that was declassified after the last time he and MBS got into a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, if I had to give like a sustain, uh, 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 sorry, a uh, succinct elevator pitch, the elevator pitch in like 10 seconds would be if I could tell you that the CIA knowingly withheld information about two uh future hijackers that were inside of the united states from the fbi information that could have been used to stop 9-11 for about the time period of 18 months and then after the fact george Tenet perjured himself no less than two times before congress and the 9-11 commission to cover that up would you think that the government is um culpable in 9-11 or not yeah and i think um to kind of 
bring things to uh, the subject matters of our podcast. It's like Florida's role uh, in, in <laughs> yeah. conspiracies. Now, Florida, Florida's Florida, reckoning. Florida, <laughs> I mean, Florida, Florida plays a massive part in a number of conspiracies. Um, but let's start with 9-11 since that's the main focus of your uh, podcast. Uh, how is Florida and my hometown of Sarasota in particular connected to 9-11? Um, Florida was the home base of uh, uh, several hijackers, um, most notably Muhammad Atta, who was uh, known as the the ringleader, I guess, of the um, of the hijackers. If anyone remembers any of their names, it's usually his. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Daniel Hopsicker has done a lot of research into uh, um, hijackers in Florida uh, throughout uh, 2000 and 2001. Um, I think what's most notable about the Florida connection is where they received flight training in Venice, Florida, mm -hmm. um, which how far away is Venice from Sarasota? I'm, I'm not totally, totally sure. It's, uh, the neighboring County to Sarasota County. It's just to the South. Oh, okay. Okay. But Bradenton's like to the North, right? Just so Bradenton's I like have to, bearings. That's uh, yeah, Manatee County. Okay. Uh, gotcha. That's Chris's hometown. Oh, cool. Very cool. Bradenton-tucky, um, we call it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um so they uh received training and they received training uh in venice at a airfield called um huffman uh air i think huffman airfield which was owned by a dutch dude named rudy deckers who has a lot of connection to heroin trading and also has connections to the cia yeah i um it's funny growing up in Sarasota and like not really paying attention to this stuff until much later in life. And then realizing that Muhammad Atta uh, would go have a beer at uh, the Shamrock pub, uh, mm -hmm. which is right on Ringwood yeah. Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess he was a big fan of uh, club cheetah. I haven't been in there. Boys love strippers. They love. Yeah. yeah. I'm too cheap for strip clubs. I can't really, I can't I've been one see, time, I can't do it. Awful experience. I'm the same way. I'm way too cheap. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got dragged to one um, when I was still an undergraduate for a friend's birthday, and it was a horrible experience. I would. <laughs> this is great. Heartbeat. We have high speed internet. You know, it's not that hard to see nudity. Like I can see it for free online. <laughs> it's about it's about being with the homies, though. You know, like if sure, sure. I would go to any strip club in the world with Muhammad Atta in a heartbeat. That sounds. <laughs> oh, like, there's no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, the the boys down in Florida. Uh, Muhammad Adda, Marwan Al Shayi, um, they, they, I mean, they had a raucous time down there. There's, there's they stories of them. There's yeah, exactly. There's Muhammad stories Atta of them. Might have had a girlfriend. Uh, uh, going to like AAA have. and renting mopeds to ride up and down the beach and just have a fun time. Um, <laughs> one of the uh, like fun stories. It sounds like that... a coming of age movie. I know. Like, <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> five guys go to Florida. You know, I don't know, man. I don't know about. You know, I'm, I'm with a girl. The standby needy kids ended up hijacking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the other connection we have uh, in Sarasota to 9/11 is the Alhiji family, um, and that's what I wrote about in Sarasota Magazine last year. Was the efforts of a handful of uh, journalists, uh, Tony Summers uh, and his wife Robin, and um, Dan uh, Christensen of the Florida Bulldog. Mm -hmm. um, they were the ones who got a tip that, 
he's like, go talk to the security guard at this um, Palmer Ranch subdevelopment. Mm. And that's when they realized only 10 years after the fact, right, 2011, that uh, the FBI and the CIA had been hiding and protecting the connection of this family that fled mysteriously right before the attacks and how there's security footage of Muhammad Atta visiting uh, Mm -hmm. their home and doing Mm -hmm. God knows what. Um, And so when you see something like that, like what, what ceases to become a conspiracy is the complicity of the Saudis in 9-11. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue at that point, which in fact invalidates the entire 9-11 commission report because they explicitly state the Saudis had nothing to do with this. Well, pages, which are technically still redacted, but they're not hard to read through at this point. Um, you can basically yeah. just fill in all the blacked over spaces with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so I, I saw a quote that I liked, which was, uh, you can't point a single finger at the Saudi government without pointing an entire fist at the U.S. government. I think that's actually Daniel Hopsicker's uh, quote. Did Daniel say that? It's either him or John Gold's. I can't remember. Um, I I wouldn't argue with the quote either way, though. Yeah, it's a a great way. It's completely correct. Yeah. But then I get to this one point with all of this stuff. And I wonder Mm -hmm. how you guys move through this. Yeah, please. To what end? Like, what do we get out of this? Like, you know, I think that we're all pretty convinced of this already. I don't think we need a lot more evidence in our direction to say that both the Saudis most certainly, but most likely the U.S. government is complicit in 9-11. And then the question is, so what? Right. Um, You can go first. I have something, but you can go first. Oh, no, no, go ahead if you have something. Yeah, well, what I would say, like, I think of this kind of, I come from this from two angles. So on the first hand, like, there's the whole idea of, you know, the truth setting people free. And, you know, when it, like, to point to another very popular quote unquote conspiracy theory, like the idea that there was some kind of government conspiracy involved in the JFK assassination. And, you know, every year more stuff gets declassified. Oliver Stone makes another documentary and it feels like we're getting closer to maybe like, finally some kind of official acknowledgement from the government or from the CIA or from some someone else being like, yeah, you know, we did it. Sorry. And, um, you know, I think about if that were to happen and how the internet now in the 24 hour news cycle, like goes and how long would that realistically make the news for 24 hours, 48 hours before we were on to the next thing. Like, I don't necessarily think these kinds of revelations like are necessarily going to tip the scale in either direction. And like, that's not necessarily why we do the show in the first place. I don't think like we try to make this stuff digestible because like we do think it's important and we think that like people should know about it. But I, I think 100% that there are limitations, you know, to, to what people can do with that information. That being said, however, you know, 3000 people did die. It's been 20 years now, but like what I always think about is like this like fact I heard once, not really a stat maybe, but more of like a fact that like the majority of the people that died at the World Trade Center um, ended up completely vaporized. Um, There were plenty of people that had families that had to bury empty coffins or families that had to bury like handbags or like other personal effects because that was like the only thing that they were able to recover. And, you know, 20 years on, those families or a lot of them are still in courts right now fighting the Saudis. Um, they're trying to sue the, the Saudi royal family to try to prove some of these connections in court. And, you know, I always think if it was my parents, um, like if one of them, like one of the people that got vaporized, like 
I would want better than like what the U S government has provided so far in terms of how it happened. And, mm -hmm. you know, no one's right. ever been held responsible. No one from the CIA got fired. No one from the FBI got fired. Most of these people that we talk about on our show got promoted, if anything, well, they all right. got promoted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not delusional. I'm not expecting tomorrow that this would lead to like a communist revolution in America to overthrow the government. <laughs> but, you know, I think at the very least, like the victims' families deserve something in the way of closure. And I think that if for a lot of them, truth is what would be, provide them closure, then like they deserve that truth. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm curious. Quick, quick question. Hypothetical. Say yeah. the hijackers, they committed the crime, but before they crashed the plane into the towers, they jumped out parachute <laughs> tried to blend in with the new yorkers a week later they were caught right yeah. they end up getting arrested they're brought on trial they commit to the crime it was me i was not a part of any conspiracy what have you people would still think the u.s government was still involved um oh, yeah i mean and to be mate, clear yeah. the first thing that i would want to say is that like the official PNAC position is that um al-qaeda did 9-11 um, not to ruin any of the suspense on our show, um, we assign blame, but ultimately, like, they were responsible for 9-11. There is a lineage of this plot that goes as far back as World Trade Center, um, the first World Trade Center bombing in 1993. And, um, you know, in terms of, like, the complicity there, the, the masterminds that are still alive at this point, you know, Bin Laden was never brought in alive, but we have Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and some of the other Al-Qaeda people that were intimately involved in planning the attacks uh, or carrying how the attacks were carried out. And if you were to put those people on trial tomorrow in New York court, um, a judge would let them go the same day because there's no case against them because they were all tortured by the CIA. And, um, you know, you can argue at the time, if they thought, you know, it was Jack, they were all Jack Bauer, you know, fighting against a ticking clock, trying to get information, or, you know, was the CIA torturing them because they knew they could never go on the stand because of all the information that they must have had, at, you know, as far as the CIA funding these exact same guys going back to the 1980s. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, uh, Christopher, to your question, your hypothetical, I do think that, yes, there probably would be a maybe relatively small compared to what we have today um group of those that would just refuse to believe um the the like story of the hijackers and your hypothetical that survived the attacks and are openly admitting like yes here's exactly what we did it was us we weren't involved in anything else um we just we did this for whatever reasons they're going to say um I think there would be probably a small group of people that refuse to believe that. But I think the reason that you see such like a, I guess just um, like a fall into, you know, like the Gnostic movement of Q and just the absolute <laughs> like de uh, degradation of the American mind and psyche is because of 9-11. So I think that if you have, you don't have that, seminal effect mm. uh or seminal event um to really destroy people's minds over the past 20 years then i think that that doesn't take as big of a hold it, it does still because you still have events like jfk but i mean i think that just kind of like points to what we sort of view 9-11 as um it's all part of the same story. Ultimately. Yeah, exactly. It's not the same it's... conspiracy. It's not the same necessarily the same actors all the way through, but right. you can but... draw a straight line. Yeah, so I yeah, guess yeah. The, the You mean the structure then... of 
Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Chris. Essentially, like the structure of the conspiracy, it still maintains its shape, no matter how much proof you have, how much undeniability you have. Sort of yeah, thing. because I think that um, I, I've described 9-11 before as l less of a conspiracy. And, well, I mean, it is a conspiracy on some level, but I think it's more so the eventuality or an endpoint of 60 years of U.S. foreign policy. Absolutely. Yeah. Like a punctuation? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was an inevitability. It was less... It, it, it had yeah. to happen at some point. And it, right. It, it, it should have originally been 93 because, you know, the, the grand plan of the 93 World Trade Center bombing was to actually knock one of the towers over into the other one and, and bring them both right. down. Um, Rams Yusef couldn't build a bomb big enough, um, so they kind of had to settle for... That one's pretty. I mean, hair, they still, did, they still did damage. Yeah. <laughs> pretty that's like some Looney Tunes ass shit right there. Well, yeah, there's always some Looney Tunes ass shit. Like yeah. they came back with after that in '96. Eric was the Bojenka plot, which would involve them blowing 12 airliners out of the sky at the same time, um, murdering the Pope in the Philippines, and then on top of all of that, hijacking a 13th plane and crashing it at the CIA headquarters. I mean, and they spent a lot of time trying. I know, tell me about it. They spent a lot of time trying to get that one off the ground, and 9 11 ended up being kind of the more pared down, um, kind of like compromise almost. Yeah. Because like Bojenka. <laughs> The realistic plot. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I mean, there's a reason that like Lawrence Wright's book, The Looming Tower, which was turned into a Hulu miniseries, series, for example. It is good. Um, like there's a reason his book starts in 1952, you know, like it's mm -hmm. it, it. You have to understand a lot of historical context and it all comes down to uh, a lot of U.S. foreign policy decisions. And so is mm. that the goal then? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To speak to your your question about like the why, especially when we're talking about like Saudi Arabia, uh, for instance, like the why for their involvement, I, I think that you can't really understand why members of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia were involved without really understanding like Iran Contra, and in particular like uh, the conspiracy with uh, BCCI and like Riggs Bank and money laundering and um, drug smuggling. It almost um, becomes like a, a kind of Star Wars, Star Trek kind of uh, <laughs> like yeah. It is like cinematic the universe. It like is the, exactly so the cinematic universe, the terrorist but, cinematic universe. Yeah, it is exactly. Fucking, it's exactly. kind of nerdy yeah. shit, you know. And, oh, for yeah. sure. And we're yeah. both big like lore dudes, which is why we're so into <laughs> yeah. this. And it's like more about Al Qaeda than I know about extended family like, at this point. There's weird crossovers, <laughs> like. Who was the guy in Looming Tower who who was like he was he worked for the FBI he was like obsessed with catching the guy who blew up what was the Navy boat John O'Neill the Jeff Daniels character I guess what you're thinking of too I believe so yes and he was like almost like these these Forrest Gump like like almost like the movie Magnolia but with terrorism like well, everyone John O'Neill it ended with him resigning because he got too pissed off with the FBI he resigned mm -hmm. and then on August 23rd I think it was August 26 2001 gets hired as the new head of security at the World Trade, the World Trade Center, Center and dies on 9-11, yeah. yeah. And the irony, the guys he was trying to chase found him. You know? Exactly. Like, Jesus. Yeah, um, what's that, uh, what's that, um, uh, the the movie with, what's his name, um, Pattinson, Robert oh, Pattinson? Remember Me? Oh, remember yeah, me. Remember Me, Very yeah. manipulative. <laughs> the best uh, ending ever in a movie, Where though. it just, like, ends they with pan him up. in his office yeah. and it's yeah. the, the morning of 9-11. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, yeah. She just said I loved you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, so it, uh, it, 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 when we, wait, when we try to talk about why, 
I can't really give a better reason other than capitalism, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> it's just Saudi Arabia, I think, for the most part, was acting inside their best interest to capitulate to what UN or U.S. foreign policy wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. It was within their best interest to uh, to launder money in the 80s for Reagan, and it was within their best interest to uh, continue to support extremism not only throughout the middle east but uh, abroad and uh I mean, continued they had to spread wahhabism to afghanistan you know throughout the 80s because that's when we had to beat the soviets over there i mean i've played enough metal gear solid 5 to remember this yeah <laughs> you, yeah, you exactly. kind of look like otacon you kind of look like <laughs> oh jesus man i don't piss my pants come on yeah <laughs> anymore, silver wolf. anymore i miss silver wolf it's <laughs> all over my head here um <laughs> So, yeah, I think 9-11, not to use the uh, like Zanzibar. conservative neologism of like being pilled or whatever, but 9-11 is like the pill, right? It's like the red pill into you this kind of world. You could say that 9-11. I think that it starts with 9-11 being the pill, and then it ends with like 93 World Trade Center bombing being the pill, and then it like goes further to like what... Mossad was sponsoring in the 70s being the pill right. but, but but because most americans aren't nerds they are sure. they, they don't have the patience or the, no one uh, in america knows anything about history um no yeah. one could give a shit about anything that happened and more so than what what happens then with this i think there is like a it's a vibe right it's definitely like a, a cultural zeitgeist that infects people in different ways and so you can draw that direct line instead of like going down the proper historical rabbit hole of U.S. foreign policy and the State Department and Mossad, they go to Q, right? People yeah, go yeah, into, yeah. I think, things that are more entertaining for people uh, yeah. who aren't nerds. Yeah. Right? yeah. This is like, it's it's like uh, the equivalent of, instead of watching Star Trek, watching uh, uh, Two and a Half Men, right? That's yeah, what Americans yeah, yeah. want to watch, that level I, of entertainment. And I mean, so, you see that even to, like, more... More online, more quote unquote, um, I mean, like leftists who want to be, you know, conspiratorial and don't, you know, they would consider anyone who falls for Q as an idiot. But like all they're going to do is listen to True Anon and say that they've understood what happened on 9-11. And True Anon, definitely, like, I love them. They, they No, got yeah, me. I mean, yeah. not to like shit on True Anon. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like a very entertaining show, but it is... Like, like, yes, it was five episodes on 9-11, but, like, it's it's a very surface-level take of a lot of information. And then they that, that was it. They, they did their episodes and, and their audience um, of, like, you know, 100 grand a month on Patreon uh, it has convinced themselves that they know everything that happened and they don't want to, like, you know, read anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're part of the problem just as much, too, because we do a, a podcast instead of, you know, prov- and having said... Because people don't want to do the work, basically. Hey, I uh, spend a lot of time writing Twitter threads, brother. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I mean, it's part of the culture now where you write everything is Twitter threads or, you know, infographics on Instagram or, right, you know, right, right. like TikTok explainers where, like, the only way you can get through to people is by talking right in their ear because it's the only way that people are going to engage with content is if it's something that they can either, like, listen to while they're pretending to do their office job or listen to while they're driving on their way to work or something. Which, again, I think can be, um, you know, you can 
point that back to capitalism. Like it, it comes down to like what is yeah. going to make you feel better about your uh, undeniably alienated relationship with everyone around you and your own employment. You know, you, you kind of just like work a shitty job. I work a shitty job. Um, and you just want something that will allow you to kind of focus on your work, but mostly be entertained and all back up what you already believe to be true. And, and this is a consequence, I think, of not having an actual like labor movement in this country. Is Absolutely. This, is, this is the kind of politics that's available to us when we don't have meetings to go to. Yeah. Um, and, and so... It, it is a kind of, you know, not to get all Mark Fisher on the thing, but it, it is, it, it does seem like it is an extension of capitalism itself. Yeah. The, like the inescapability of it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I one thing I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to change my mind, or at least I'm trying to change the way I, I look at the world, because I'm starting to feel an emptiness in my, like, soul. Yeah, this yeah. this isn't this isn't join so the club, brother. <laughs> like I, I'm yeah. trying to remember what like what I did before I became political, and I would say like 2016 was the moment when I like really feel like my eyes were opened. To it the was world. forever. I I think you're 100 on that. That was the the rupture point for a lot of people in our age bracket. And I yeah. try to think about what was I doing before then. Like what was I looking at? What was I spending my time doing? It was mostly like sports. I was like way into like Buddhism. And I like as a writer, what I wanted to do is I wanted to use basketball to explain like being human. And I have and I used to fucking like meditate and, you know, read books about Buddha. I don't do that shit anymore. It is like I am full on like committed to understanding like American foreign policy and conspiracies. Just and losing your mind. Of, yeah. I, <laughs> the almost the same arc. For me, it was like metal music instead of sports, but like almost the same arc otherwise. And and. I know that I'm going to turn back to the way I was. Like, I, I, I know inevitably I'm going to, like, burn out from this shit. You'll burn like, everyone else out around you. <laughs> I, I try not to, like... In, in, I said earlier, you're going to be well-rounded. <laughs> I, I think I have to... Maybe I have to go through this, right, in order to, like, understand the world better. But it, it, I, the way I describe it sometimes is, you know, when I talk to my parents about conspiracies... My father's uh, a public defender, and my mom kind of ascribes to a, like a particularly like li liberal world, like nice liberal world. Right. Um, and it's hard for her to like stomach some of this stuff. And what my dad always wants is uh, proof beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Like treating yeah. history as though it's the courts. Yeah. And I try to explain to him that ain't the way it works. Like you never gonna have a document that says we are gonna kill JFK exactly. tomorrow, and, and like signed I, in initials. Like the way I look at it is like, it's like it's like having a thousand piece puzzle and like missing one piece, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's like it's not done. I'll it'll it'll never be finished, and it's completely unsatisfying, and it'll drive you insane. Right. And so what I'm trying to change now, and I heard Douglas Rushkoff say this. He said like, he was talking about QAnon people, and he says like, they're metaphorical. All their all their conspiracies are actually metaphors, and so that's what I'm starting to describe myself as. Like I'm not conspiratorial; I'm metaphorical, because <laughs> they're not wrong. They're not wrong about the things they're mad at. Like Bill Gates is microchipping you right now because you have your cell phone on you, right? Yeah, right. Like, the sex pedophile cabal do run the is government. Fucking I mean, real. Like, <laughs> yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Now it's not the way they think it is, of right. course, because it's not as sexy. It's not as simple. It's not as fun. It's not as fun. But the way Douglas Rushkoff put it was that, like, these people are our parents. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I always wondered, why are people so obsessed? Why are all conspiracies so obsessed with children, right? They all seem like, the, even for like the Jewish blood libel stuff way back in the day, it's about kids. And right, it's because right. these, as, a, as, a, as subjects, we're projecting ourselves onto children, and the state is our parents, and they are letting us down. And so that's why all these conspiracies involve the corruption of innocence, the corruption of children. And so they're not wrong. It, they're mm-hmm. metaphorically right. And so that's what I'm trying to think of it as, is, is like not get caught in the weeds too much, as entertaining as it might be, but think about it in terms of like a true sentiment, like true feelings about being in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, not to like just pull up kind of, uh, I guess, like whatever you want to call or think of Chapo, but uh, Matt Chrisman always says when he's railing against conspiracy thought um, that... And he gets a lot of shit on this from, like, leftists online, like, conspiratorial leftists online uh, who love to think of Chapo as, like, an op or whatever. Right. But um, God, everything's an op now, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, Every yeah, podcast yeah. is sponsored by the CIA. Yeah, yeah. I know. But um, he, he always, like, boils it down to even if you are right, even if you solve the puzzle, what the fuck are you going to – can I swear on the show? What are you yeah. going to – what are you going to do with that? What, what do you do with that, even if in the hypothetical, you find the, um, the lost arc, you find what it is you're looking for, and you've solved all of your answers, you've solved the puzzle, you've done it. What does that mean? Without political organization, it means jack shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he points it, out things like, the, like the, the, the ultimate victory lap in this kind of thinking is in the courts. Right, that you, yeah. you you bring the document and then you arrest them, but they're never going to get arrested. No, and part no. of the reason why it's conspiracy too is because like innuendo is all you have to work off of because these guys are all smart enough to like not put this shit in writing and not leave the kind of paper trails. It's the reason why George Tenet was able to you know testify multiple times and get off scot free on everything, even while you know like Eric said earlier, lying like directly lying to people's faces about shit. Right, um, I mean, pathy, like, right. That's why there's the word pathy, right? It yeah, was yeah, someone, and, yeah, yeah, and like, and that that was the entire formation of the CIA was it, it was formed to give the federal government plausible deniability. Like, they are supposed to be compartmentalized to the point that no one can really prove any of the covert actions that they uh, are responsible for, uh, and yeah um i guess i don't know really uh what else i was going to say about that but so <laughs> now that we know we all kind of we all in agreement here that conspiratorial thinking conspiracies are maybe not helpful maybe not going to change the world uh let's talk about our favorite conspiracies in florida <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have anyone in particular um the one that i always love to go back to is the do you guys know the story of gloria and mike irish at the sun tabloid down in the ami building they were the ones who like rented the apartment or yeah yeah, that's right that's right that's right so mike irish was um he was the editor of the sun in 2000 2001 for uk listeners we're not talking about that the sun by the way um it's it's a different the yeah sun. all of our we have a huge uk listening uh, yeah, yeah 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 i'm sure yeah <laughs> so do we so do we brother um <laughs> but uh the uh the sun shared a building with the national Enquirer, and um the national Enquirer in late september 2001 uh was uh 
the victim of uh, one of the anthrax letters or the target i suppose of one of the anthrax letters and one of the members of the sun was exposed to the anthrax inside of the ami building which is like the american media incorporated i think um um and so one of the writers for the sun ended up dying uh due to exposure um to anthrax uh, Mike Irish was the editor of The Sun at the time, and his wife, Gloria Irish, rented out rooms to Marwan Alshayi and um, uh, which it was Al Gamdi, wasn't it? Saeed or Hamza Al Gamdi, yeah. I think it was Hamza Al Gamdi. There's actually uh, an early October. Um, I think Wall Street Journal article talking about the hijackers and this is like where the story of the hijackers this article is where the story of the hijackers like renting mopeds and scootering up and down the beaches in Florida comes from but it starts with the story of uh, Gloria Irish and her work with the uh, with the hijackers finding them apartments in Florida and her just like giving the most like glorious review of who Marwan Alshayi was as a human being <laughs> like always talks about how he was like he would call her he would ask how she was doing he would like hold doors for her he would always smile and like give her a hug and was just the super nice dude never seemed creepy apparently El Gamdi was like a little off-putting but uh she kind of summed that up to like him just not being very comfortable with English um just wasn't a, a very good English speaker and so was kind of reserved in that. But uh, in this article, there is no mention whatsoever of Anthrax, nor The Sun, nor the fact that her husband was the editor of a tabloid newspaper in which one of his employees died from the Anthrax attacks. And then she ended up giving uh, to The Washington Post, I think, two separate uh, interviews and a couple articles came out that that went into that connection there after the fact. But mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, that that whole connection really blew my mind the first time I heard about it. <laughs> no, the, the anthrax thing is we've largely as a as a nation forgotten all about that 100 percent. it's when been i think of anthrax forgotten. i think of the band first and foremost you know yeah <laughs> i don't think of but yeah. you freaked the fuck out when it happened we all did we were ready we were duct taping plastic like up against our windows and everything because we thought we were completely under attack um right I, I don't see, I don't remember that. I don't even really? I don't yeah. even remember. Yeah, I don't I don't remember that either. But I'll I mean, say, you I can go on paranoid family apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you watched a lot of 24. <laughs> um, but I mean, you can go on the Wikipedia page right now for the uh, 2001 anthrax attacks and the official narrative is still um, that it we was, really know. it was mostly that it, like, we don't know, but they still blame it on, what's his name, Ivans? Yeah, Bruce Ivans. Bruce Ivans, thank you. Um, Possible who, pedophile. Right, right, yeah, the, who, uh, who ended up killing himself. Um, they blame it on him, saying that he uh, did it because he was going to take advantage of the heightened fear in the nation to protect the endangered anthrax program that he was working on so he was like the guy that was in the labs like working on this like bio defense in quotes program to develop anthrax inside i think fort bragg if i'm not mistaken yeah. um and he was concerned this is like the alleged by the fbi he was concerned of the 
future of the program and was convinced that the program would be ended and his employment would be um uh like in uh or on shaky footing and so he arranged these attacks making it seem like um there was al-qaeda and uh was going to scare the nation into ensuring that his employment was secure in the future um but any any evidence or like any like looking into that it's right. like obvious bullshit like he was obviously like chris as you said like he was the patsy there mm-hmm. um and the only and reason i did it their classic thing of then just finding finding a bunch of child porn on his computer too um yeah, exactly <laughs> that's yeah. that's like honestly that's gonna be the new thing where i think that especially once conservatives get into power um they're gonna need to enact their their violent desires on someone there's gonna be need to be someone to blame and it's gonna be like instead of like the the red scare instead of like uh communist mccarthyism it's gonna be like pedophile mccarthyism oh it's like yeah exactly they're gonna like live stream on tiktok like executions of accused pedophiles like that is just the direction we're heading in because there needs to be in conspiratorial thinking too matt crispin does talk about this is like like, that it is inherently like fascist actually because yeah you need an enemy you need you need someone to do violence on there right. needs to be someone there needs to be punishment and there's gonna be someone to blame for why your situation right. is the way it is i've also heard this kind of stuff being described as a uh, true crime for men which also makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah yes yeah. that is we don't really, get off necessarily on really real pillars behind the bushes it's got to be you know the military industrial complex right <laughs> and i mean like look all of our, our all of our um freedom away and I mean, looking at Florida right now, you can obviously see how that's affecting anyone who identifies as trans. Like they're just labeled as pedophile groomers, yeah, um, groomers and right. it's, it's just term. being used yeah. to uh, attack. And I don't remember the actual official name of the bill, but the don't say gay it bill. Say, yeah, I don't per, it's like it's something per, restrictive. Parental rights bill. Yeah, and if yeah. you look at the language of the bill, it's quite obviously purposefully incredibly vague. Yes. So mm-hmm. anything like a teacher could show up and just say, "I, as a person who happens to be married to another person who identifies as the same gender as me, did this over the weekend." To my yeah. like, you know, middle school class, like, oh well, me and my I as a woman and my wife right. went to the theater. Cr- that could qualify as being fired underneath the current yeah, language no, of the well, bill. I, I think it, the, it's the, ridiculous. Well, it's so funny. I worked at a school for a little bit. Uh, it was called Abbott Elementary, and uh, um, oh man, that that didn't. Go, it went over your guy's head. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's one of the highest rated TV shows on ABC right now. Anyway, oh um, my bad. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm way too online. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm t- my brain is too fucked up to understand any like <laughs> no, <you're laughs> it's good, on you're ABC good. reference. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my fault, not hey, yours, Chris, brother. Did any, kid, did any kids, uh, any of your kids ever accuse you of being gay or call you gay? No, they just called me like broke and stuff. But uh, they were wrong. They were wrong. They like, called my clothes. Is the being, they just is... called me poor. Yeah, pretty much. Economically was... gay, I guess, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Man, eating a gay tuna sandwich. That's just, just the gayest sandwich. Just the gayest sandwich ever. Hey, hey, Coach Rick put nuts in his mouth. He's gay. You know, just like, yeah, 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 like yeah. Eating, eating almonds. High school kids will find a way, trust me. Yeah, These are yeah, elementary yeah. school kids. Anyway, oh, even worse. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, I, so I had an opportunity once when I was working at Ab- Abbott Elementary. Uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, where they were going to send me to like uh, a county for training to deal with kids who might come out as like gay or trans. 
mm-hmm. and my school wouldn't let me go. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, because, like, uh, the school I worked at, they kind of had some autonomy over what they did uh, in terms of the curriculum. And they, were, they weren't supposed to be Christian, but they, like, were, like, you know, they were praying during right, meetings right. and things like that, which is fine, whatever. But I just thought that was a big line in the stand of, like, you know, what, you know, this one kid, you know, I don't know if he's gay, but he's going to get made fun of in middle school or he's going to learn how to fight. Um, and yeah. uh, I was like, you know, I don't know. He might have a question. I'm not going to approach him because I don't know anything about that stuff. You know, I, right. I wouldn't even know. But, you know, I don't know what his life is like. He's coming in, you know, wearing like the socks with the little frillies on the side stuff. And say, like, hey, man, those, that's, that's what hold, he's hold on. Wait, is that gay? I have to throw some socks away, brother. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. And, that's, well, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe he just was poor. And I should be like, you're poor. You're wearing your sister's clothes. <laughs> yeah, Again, yeah. economically gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. economically in, gay. in Florida, it is becoming a problem. And this actually just came out this week, this story about um, this guy, Randy Fine, who is a funny-looking character. You should definitely take a peek at him. But he's, he's sure. a state rep. And he basically made up a story uh, at some school uh, that a transgender student sexually assaulted another one in an elementary school bathroom. Jesus. And it, uh, police looked into it for three weeks and found that like it was completely unfounded. It's probably some online internet rumor he saw and just repeated. Right. And so that shit's gonna be real. Like you know those it, it is that, that's one thing I really got wrong. I think in uh, I thought the whole gay thing was over. I was like you know Trump loves the gays. Yeah. You know right. we're we're past this now. I was wrong, man. They right. are like it is might be worse than it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite sad. So. The other so question get, that. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Go on, Chris. Well, no, I mean, with that bill, even if you have a kid who has same-sex parents, in theory, if the kid's like my mom and my other mom, we went to, you know, uh, Golden Corral over the weekend. It was great. Like, the teacher can't, you know, he can't, he can't be like, oh, your mom and mom? He can't openly. Right. And if a kid's like, wait, you got two moms? Like, I don't understand. Wait a dad? second. Wait a second. Do, do lesbians like Golden Corral? <laughs> Is Dude, lesbians thing? love Golden Corral. <laughs> okay, that's like a thing. You don't know? Oh, that's like I, the I've new, never that's been. The, I've never been. No, America is like there's very few lesbian bars in the United States, and Golden Corral has slowly sort of filled that vacuum. You don't, <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, they're all in yeah. Austin, Texas, or San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Shouts out to Cheer Up Charlie's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there are a whole host of conspiracies involving Florida, right? Besides yeah. 9/11, besides anthrax. Uh, I mean, one generally accepted one is obviously like the 2000 election. That was like one done right in front of our eyes. Right. Um, Brooks Brothers riot. Yeah, the Brooks the, Brothers riot. That's right. The Brooks Brothers riot. Um, there was the uh, plot to kill JFK in Tampa, I think, three days before he was actually killed. Right. Miami, There's, I believe it was. I think it was Miami, Miami and then Chicago. It was, it was, it was, it yeah, was, it was Tampa. Right. It was Tampa. It was Tampa. Oh, it was in Tampa. Oh. Uh, they even had like the whole parade route, the left turn, the, the tower. Yeah, the same, the same thing with Chicago too. Damn. Yeah, same thing with Chicago. Uh, and then and you actually, have... not to interrupt you, but then, um, and this is very, very little reported on. There was actually a plot in Sarasota potentially the morning of nine eleven to kill Bush. Right. This, yes. this, like the Sudanese guys, right? Yeah. yeah. So what ends yeah. up happening is that there was a place called Colony Beach and um, tennis resort. Um, I don't think it's in Sarasota. It's in Longboat. It is. Key, it's Longboat Key, which Longboat is technically uh, Manatee County. But yes, yeah. it's it's part of it. Yeah. 
and it's now defunct i believe it's in kind of like a state of abandon oh they they, they, they tore it down oh did they finally mm-hmm. yeah i was checking to see before um we started this and that morning bush would have been staying there and um he starts his day by going jogging about 6 30 a.m and then by about nine he leaves for the elementary school but about 6 a.m or so there was this van that had showed up and security had um, noted that there were these four Middle Eastern passengers in this van who claimed to be uh, reporters. And they provided these weird credentials that didn't really mention who they were from, but they kept insisting that they had a poolside interview scheduled with um, W that morning. And um, they specifically asked for a Secret Service agent by name. And the security guys like call up to the Secret Service. They get back like, we have no idea who the fuck this guy is, send him away. Um, and they give him the uh, the phone number for like the PR department or the HR department at the White House to, if they wanted to schedule an interview. And um, later on, about 8.50 or so, like I mentioned, the White House, uh, the presidential, sorry, uh, motorcade leaves to head over to the elementary school. And um, according to something that made the local newspaper, um, there was a guy who saw a second van, um, another white van with these two Middle Eastern guys who were like shaking their fists at it, you know, like fuck Bush and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So hell yeah, brother. Guys, claiming to be reporters and, you know, seemingly stalking out this area. And like, what makes this even stranger, Eric, is um, on September 9th, um, over in Afghanistan, something very similar happens to our boy, the, the lion of the Panjshir Valley, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's where that like connection is very obviously um, setting off red flags is on the 9th, um, Ahmed Shah Massoud, who is the uh, the leader of the Northern Alliance, um, fighting against the Taliban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was the like the NATO, U.S., Western choice to fight against um, the Taliban in Afghanistan. The solution um, to every problem in the '90s from the CIA was give Ahmed Shah Massoud three hundred thousand dollars in cash and right, yeah, yeah, six yeah. With more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was um, he was assassinated by two members of Al Qaeda on September 9th uh, by basically the exact same plot. They showed up, pretended to be reporters, said they had an interview with Ahmed Shah Massoud, got in front of him, had a video camera, and proceeded to blow up a bomb that was planted inside the hollowed out body of like the giant like think news like from like the early aughts. The huge on-the-shoulder video camera. It had Something been hollowed out. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a yeah. very good kill, to be honest with you. It had been but... hollowed out, and uh, they had planted a bomb inside of it and uh, killed themselves and Ahmed Shah Massoud. Um, I, I may, I don't know if it's irony or what, but the uh, the first person to relay that to American intelligence was actually uh, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Who warned um, the United States more than once that 9-11 was, or something was going to happen in mm. the summer of 2001. Russia, like a lot of countries actually, um, reached out and tried to try to right. stop it. Um, yeah. It's also worth noting very quickly that according to the Longboat Observer, um, a local paper down there, that um, there were three eyewitnesses that all claimed to see Mohammed Atta actually at Colony Beach um, Tennis Resort on September 7th, which would have been the same day that um, the White House announced that uh, Bush would be there. Or be standing Was he getting there. tennis training from Nick Volatary, the founder oh, of IMG yeah. Academy? <laughs> I hoped. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoa. Oh, shit. <laughs> Holy Brother, it's all connected. Holy <laughs> so, shit. Oh, my God. That's smoking gun, baby. So I'm, we're going to wrap things up, but I do want to talk about one more thing, which yeah, is, yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned all these other conspiracies in Florida. I didn't say like we uh, a JM wave, you know, all the Cuban CIA yeah. paid assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
you know, all the training of the Contras. I mean, you know, it, it goes on and on in Florida. And mm-hmm. so I've always wondered why, why is it that, you know, in a place like, like Florida, we have probably more CIA assets than the entirety of uh, Langley. Without a doubt. So Scientology too Florida? down there. You got, you got all that energy going on. Um, I, I have a theory. What's, What's your, your theory, theory, Chris? My theory is this. So you guys are familiar with Andrew Jackson, right? Andrew Jackson was a ge- military um, general who sort of became our president. So I've heard of him. Sh- yeah, <laughs> right? He's honest. Yeah, here we go. He's got a big Trump's forehead, favorite. though. Trump's you know, favorite. I'm more familiar with the Benjamins than the Jacksons myself, <laughs> but that's just how I roll. Hey, as successful podcasters, we need to become more familiar with the Benjamins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> but when he was doing the trail of tears, dragging all of those Native Americans essentially to their death in the desert, right? All the way from the Everglades up, they cursed Florida. They Damn. said multiple incantations to curse us. That's why to this day there is a maelstrom of madness in the state of Florida. <laughs> yes, you can make a pet cemetery about Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that is no, I, I, I like that, Chris, because like, you know, you could be like materialist and say, oh, it's uh, it's proximity to Cuba. It's the fact that it's like a largely undeveloped uh, land and, you know, willing to be, be molded in a particular way. Right. But I, I think it is a spiritual thing. I think there's a vortex here in florida that just is bringing it all to it yeah absolutely it's definitely a demonic place there's no no denying it (laughs) i mean like look at what happened to xxx tentacion down there for god's sake it's definitely the most american place i would say that it's it it definitely attracts hustlers and scammers and that nothing's more american than hustling and scamming people yeah no miami is the fraud capital of the united states yeah and yeah. like I think the MLM capital, like it's between Miami oh, and without Utah. a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I think oh the, my big, God. the Bitcoin convention, this massive Bitcoin oh, convention, yeah. was in Miami. So, oh, by sure. MLM, you mean Marxism, Londonism, Maoism, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool if Florida turned into something like that. But inshallah, we're doing, we're doing Maoist third worldism in in the Panhandle. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you guys have anything you'd like to promote. Uh, obviously, listen to the podcast. Follow the Twitter podcast for the New American Century. Next week is nine eleven. We got a lot of fun stuff, as fun as nine eleven can be, um, in the pipeline. So, Pinac Pod, <laughs> if you want to follow us on Twitter, and yeah, definitely check out the show if you um, like history that is not uptight and self serious. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or doesn't try to be at least. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thank, thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. All right, take care. Happy uh, holidays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah enjoy <laughs> celebrating. Right. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today, because the flag still stands for freedom. And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American